Genesis 37, beginning in verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. They could not speak peacefully to him. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you that you are a God that delights to hear the prayers of your people. God, as we have praised your name and we have confessed our sins, God, you tell us even now to bring our requests before you. So, Lord, we do bring the needs of our congregation before you. And we pray for those who are struggling with sickness. We pray for uh, Ken Tedder, Lord. We pray that you would continue to give him uh, more days of victory battling this cancer. We pray, God, that you would strengthen his, his body and his blood count, Lord, that he can continue to serve you. We thank you for his example. God, we thank you so much for Owen Hollis and the victory that you've given him uh, over cancer. We pray that you would continue to sustain him. Father, we thank you for Jerry Green, Lord, and just his joy, even in the midst of the struggle. We pray that you would just sovereignly watch over him and Ellen as they continue to walk with you. Uh, Father, we do pray for all those um, families who are uh, seeing this day, this Memorial Day weekend, in a different light. Uh, we, we pray for all the, the families who have lost loved ones uh, in defense of our freedoms. Father, we do thank you for um, how they have labored for us. Father, that they were willing to go into battle to defend our nation. God, so many um, turn aside and are quick to, to judge and condemn our country. I just thank you so much for the godly men and women who have sacrificed their lives to pay for the freedoms that we have. Dear God, let us not be a congregation who, who forsakes that or forgets it, but let us cherish those who have given their lives for our freedoms. We pray, Lord, now for our, for our military, all the branches who are serving overseas. God, we pray, Lord, that you would just protect them, those who are serving stateside. Lord, we pray that you would allow them to feel the love and support of, of a grateful nation. Uh, Father, we pray specifically for the commanders. We pray that you would give them wisdom as, as, uh, as they lead their troops. God, we pray that you would give them uh, a peace that transcends all understanding, that they would be guarded by the Spirit of God in their decisions. Father, help them be decisive and help them lead with wisdom. Father, we also just thank you for the gospel. Uh, we thank you for the power of the gospel uh, that is being preached, not only in our congregation this morning, but in congregations across our town. Now, Lord, we do pray for, for Jay Hardwick this morning at North Rock Hill. Uh, we thank you so much for his ministry there. We pray, God, that you would just be with that congregation uh, in the days ahead. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for how you use your word to form a people. And God, we do pray that for our own hearts now as we hear the word of God. We pray that the word of God would form us. Lord, we do not come here listening and looking for the words of a man. But God, we want to hear a word from you. So God, I pray that as I, your servant, 
the servant of, of God's people here at Park, Lord. I pray that I may decrease and that you may increase, that your name would be exalted above the heavens, Father. I, I pray that as, as your, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is lifted high, that you would draw men and women unto yourself. Lord, we, we, we pray that you would allow us to see the beauty of what you have done for us in your Son in, in this text this morning. Uh, we pray, God, that as you speak through me, I pray that the Holy Spirit attends each word and rests it upon the hearts of your people. Lord, I don't know the needs of your people, but you do. So, God, I pray that you would graciously and humbly take this offering and bless the people of Park Baptist Church, that we would be unified, that we would be one. God, uh, we thank you so much for what you've already done in our church, this family, this, this, this weekend, uh, in the marriage of John and Jamie, and, and the celebration that we had as a congregation. We pray, God, that as we celebrated then and feasted together, that we would now feast upon your word and you prepare our hearts to feast upon your table. We ask this for the greatness of your name. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Uh, Master Sergeant uh, Roddy Edmonds was captured uh, by the Nazis at the Battle of the Bulge. He, along with 1,000 captives were sent to a German POW camp. Uh, as soon as the men arrived at the camp, they were questioned on their religion. At the time of the capture, the largest death camps of uh, the, the Nazis had been liberated, uh, but all Jewish officers were sent to a slave labor camp where survival was minimal. American Jewish officers during the time of the war were instructed if they were ever captured, to destroy their dog tags so no one would know that they were uh, Jewish. As the leading non-commissioned officer, Edmonds was the first one to be questioned. He turned to his men right before questioning began and told them, we are all Jews here. The German commander came to Edmonds, took out a pistol, and held it to his head. He gave him one last chance to reveal the truth, which one of the soldiers were of Jewish descent and which were not. With a gun held against his head, Edmonds replied, If you are going to shoot, you are going to have to shoot all of us, because we know who you are, and you will be tried for war crimes when we win this war. The German officer took a moment and then relented. And Edmonds' bravery saved 200 Jewish-American soldiers that day. See, God used the capture and the courage of a soldier to save the lives of his brothers in arms. God has used and God will continue to use the evil actions of men to accomplish his purposes. Beloved, we cannot escape evil. Evil actions of wicked men dominate our news headlines. So how do we respond to it? How are we uh, to, to deal with the evil we see? Are we overwhelmed by it? Do we ever ask, where is God in the midst of this? How about the evil not just done in our world, but the evil done in your own life? I'm sure that many of you know people who have turned away from God because they have experienced evil and they did not see God's hand. Not because of the evil in the world, but the evil in their world. 
the story of Joseph, as we'll be going over the next several weeks, helps us to see how God uses the sinful actions of men to bring about his ultimate purposes. As God would use the capture and the courage of a soldier to save his brothers in arms, so also God would use the capture and the courage of a slave to save his brothers. If you want to follow along in the outline provided before you in your bullets, the first heading is the beloved son. The beloved son. Joseph was the youngest son of Jacob with Rachel, uh, Jacob's beloved wife. Uh, Joseph was the delight of his father. And his father's extravagant delight in his youngest son, the son of his old age, created a prideful, spoiled child which did not help Joseph with his brothers. Look with me again at the text this morning. Genesis 37, 2 through 4. These are the generations of Jacob. You remember as we've been going through this, this book, every time you see these are the generations, it in, indicates a new heading. So from Genesis 37, 2 all the way to the end of the book of Genesis, it's kind of one story. It's the story of Joseph. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wife. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Joseph was tattling on his brothers. Now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So we see Joseph was the beloved son. He was the, the, she was shown favoritism uh, by Jacob because he was the, the youngest born when he was an, an older child, the son of, uh, of Rachel. But the, the love that Jacob showed to Joseph did not form a strength of character in Joseph. The picture of Joseph in the early on stages of his life was a, was a spoiled teenager who, who annoys and tattles on his brothers. Uh, Jacob gave Joseph a coat of many colors. Literally in the Hebrew, it's a coat with long sleeves. This robe was Jacob's way of showing his love for his youngest son, but not only his love, but to giving him prominence over his brothers. Uh, Scholar Bruce Watke comments that many suggest the robe has something to do with royalty. By this regal apparel, Jacob publicly designates Joseph as the ruler over the family. Jacob thereby designated his son as his special heir. So this special designation that, that Jacob gave to Joseph also did not help Jacob's relationship with his brothers. It says they hated him. I don't know about you, but when you read the Bible, you don't always see pictures of happiness in families. Many of you here are coming from broken homes. Many of you experience the, the hostility in relationships in your own families. Joseph and Jacob's family is no different. Joseph got under the, his brother's skins by his mere presence so that when jo Joseph was there, his brothers couldn't even speak peacefully with him. Child favoritism does not help anyone. 
So notice that through this section of Scripture, there is no reference to God. Although we, we know that God is working and many of us know the end of the story, the narrative does not give him an active role. And yet what we see is Joseph has a dream. And we know that dreams are clearly are from the Lord. And yet the story does not give God the prominent role. Look what the text says in verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he had told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my, my sheep arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, the eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. So Jacob could have kept these dreams to himself, but he didn't. The text says that his brothers hated him because of his dreams and because of his words. The root of his brother's hatred was jealousy. We must guard our hearts, beloved, of the, the bitter fruit of jealousy. On commentary of, Sol- of Solomon 8.6, which says, Love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. Charles Spurgeon writes, Jealousy is often proved cruel as the grave. You have only to recall the most appalling murders that have been committed within your memory. Or, if you please, those who have read it in the history of nations, you will find that jealousy has instigated those that were the most vindictive and relentless. When jealousy begins to turn its sharp tooth upon a man's heart, his reason fails him. Madness takes possession of his faculties. A determined purpose which he would not have dared to contemplate under the influence of well-balanced judgment prompts plans, and performs almost without premeditation an atrocious crime. When jealousy rules the cruel hour, we believe it and we deplore it. No revenge has ever been found too bitter, too malicious, too lawless for jealousy to inflict. Relentless as the grave, it spares not youth nor beauty, respects neither fame nor fortune, but accounts all comers for its prey. Are you prone to jealousy? Is it easy for you to envy the goods or the lives of others? Just as a sidebar, you know, one of the things that happens in our world where everyone is putting forward their best online is that people's hearts can sometimes become jealous of the lives we think that others have. We have to guard our hearts against the bitter fruit of jealousy. We must protect our hearts by striving for contentment in what God has given us. John Flavel, Puritan, writes, Every man loves the mercies of God. 
But a saint loves the God of his mercies. Every man loves the mercies of God, but a saint loves the God of his mercies. So, beloved, you need to love the God who gives gifts rather than the gifts that come from God. You need to love the God who gives gifts, not the gifts that come from God. If you do that, then you will have contentment. See, Jacob did not appreciate his son's dreams. But it says that he, he held it, he kept it in his mind. Jacob knew that God spoke through dreams. And yet even here, we, we see that Jacob was not ready to fully trust that which was revealed to Joseph. Was Joseph God's beloved son who would rule over his brothers? The second heading we want to see here is the brothers' sin. The brothers' sin. Uh, if you read through this whole narrative, there's four different scene changes based on location. Uh, the scene changes with the, with the brothers going to keep the, the flock at, at Shechem, while the favored Joseph is at home with his father. Israel here in the text sent Joseph to check on his brothers. And we see the, the bitter fruit of jealousy taking hold of his brother's hearts. Look with me in the text again in verse 12. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields, and the man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, They have gone away, for I have heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him. And we will see what will become of his dreams. His brothers are in the field working. And Joseph, their younger brother, who's at home with their father, starts to come to them. And they can see him from a distance. Why? Because of the long, flowing robes that he has. And when they see him, this lazy, tattle-telling, favored brother, their jealousy turns to anger, and they want to kill him. The plan was simple. They were going to kill him and throw him in a pit and deceive their father by saying he was devoured by a fierce animal. The natural animal-like instinct of their brothers obscured the fear of God. Reuben, the older brother, provided a middle ground solution. He did not confront his brothers in their sin, but worked a plan in his in his mind to rescue Joseph. Halfway obedience is not obedience. Reuben had halfway obedience. Did not fully obey the Lord. Look at verse 21. When Reuben, the oldest, heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to him, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness. But do not lay a hand on him that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, 
the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. So what you see is the once talkative Joseph, who tattled on his brothers, who, who told his brothers of his dream, is now silent to the rest of the narrative. Reuben had planned to come back and to rescue uh, Joseph. They stripped Joseph of his robe. They stripped him of his special status, hoping to silence him and to silence his dreams. And remember, where are his dreams coming from? Ultimately, these dreams are coming from the Lord. So when they are trying to silence Jake, Joseph, they're trying to silence the God who revealed these dreams to him. They're trying to control the will of God. Reuben leaves his brothers, and while he's gone, the narrative takes a turn. Judah speaks up and offers another plan. Look with me, in, beginning in verse 25. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh, and on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let us not hand but let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midian traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robes and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. Not their brother, their, your son's robe. And he identified it and said, It is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons were, and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Jacob, like his father, receives the deception of his sons. Jacob refused to be comfort, but chose to live in his grief. See, the brothers sinned against their brother, their father, and against God. Their selfish jealousy gave birth to grievous sin. I think the danger when we read this story is that we do not want to identify with the brothers. Well, listen to James chapter 1, verse 13 and 15. The Bible says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Beloved, we must sever the root of sin, lest it grow and give birth to sin in our own 
lives. When we are tempted to say that we could never do something as horrible as Joseph's brothers. But you need to know that in our hearts, in everyone's hearts here, lies the capacity for all kinds of grievous sins. Do not be deceived by the power of the deceitfulness of sin. It lures, it entices, it tempts you in many ways. And if we are honest, we are probably more like the brothers than we realize. We may not have attempted to kill our brother and sell them into slavery, but we may hold the same root of jealousy, anger, bitterness. Friends, we are sinners, just like Joseph's brothers. And we, like them, need salvation. They, like we, will receive salvation when the beloved son becomes the beloved slave. Last heading, the beloved slave. Grief fills the home of Jacob and his brother, his brothers. Yet the story ends with the beginning of how God is going to, to use the, the captured slave to save his brothers. Look what verse 36 says of chapter 37. Meanwhile, the Midians had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. Joseph, the beloved son, has become a slave. It is only through the slavery of Joseph that he can actually save his brothers. See, Joseph's slavery foreshadows Jesus Christ. How the, the beloved Son of God will become a slave to pay the penalty of sin. Here, as one scholar notes, I quote, Through his, his suffering and eventual ascension to rulership, Joseph saved God's people Israel. Jesus, similarly, through his suffering, death, and resurrection and ascension, would save God's people. As Joseph's brothers conspired to kill him, Genesis 37, 18. So according to Matthew, Jesus' brothers, the chief priests and the elders, conspired to arrest by stealth and kill him, Matthew 26, 4. As Joseph's brothers sold him for 20 pieces of silver, so Jesus' disciple Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. As Joseph's brothers handed him over to the Gentiles, so Jesus' brothers handed him over to Pilate, the governor. As Joseph suffered in silence, so too Jesus, the Son of God, suffered in silence. And as God used the evil deeds of Joseph's brothers to save his people, so God would use the evil deeds of Jesus' brothers to save his people. Salvation comes when the beloved son becomes the beloved slave to save his brothers from their sin. Joseph will save Israel from famine. Jesus Christ will save his people from eternal death. Jesus took the very nature of a slave, which you just heard, the very form of a servant being made in human likeness. The sinless Son of God was killed as a sinful servant 
so showing that Jesus was not ashamed to call us his brothers. Hebrews 2.11. As Roddy Edmonds in that POW camp stood up and said, we are all Jews, so too Jesus identifies with us as our brother. Jesus, it says, poured out his soul unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. And yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah 53.12 Jesus died and rose again. So that now anyone who repents of their sins and trusts in him will be adopted as children of God. A co-heir with Christ. With Jesus Christ being our elder brother who ever lives to intercede for us. See, brothers and sisters, we are far more like Joseph than we, Joseph's brothers than we realize. Our jealousy may be for our neighbors. But hear me, our greatest jealousy is our desire for God's glory. We desire the glory that rightly belongs only to God. We want to be served. We want to be praised. We think that we can do what we want. And in so doing, we are jealous for our glory over God's glory. Beloved, we are sinners deserving of eternal punishment for trying to steal or rob God of His glory. And yet God sent His Son to be a slave so that we could receive mercy, so that we could be adopted into His family. Romans 6.17 talks about this adoption. This is what Paul writes. The Spirit, Spirit of God, Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs with God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we also may be glorified with Him. See, we can be children. We can be brothers of Christ. We can be heirs of the world to come if, if we suffer with Him. Beloved, we identify with Christ's sufferings, with His death in baptism and in the Lord's table. The Lord's table, what we do tonight, is the Christian's way to publicly proclaim that we believe in the death of Christ until He comes. Jesus invites you to His table as members of His families because He is not ashamed to call you His brothers and sisters. The Lord's table is for sinners. It's for those like Joseph's brothers. But it is only for those sinners who have repented of their sins and trusted in Christ. Who have put their whole hope in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you are a baptized believer and a member of good standing of a church of like faith and order, you are welcome to come and identify yourself with the death of Christ. And by symbolically feasting on the body and the blood of Christ. If you've never made that decision publicly to identify with the suffering of Christ, I ask you to allow the elements to pass before you. And as they pass, reflect on the beloved Son of God who became a slave to save you from your sins.
as God would use the capture of Joseph to save his brothers. God uses Jesus Christ to save jealous, hateful sinners like you and I by becoming like us so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. As we taste the bread and the cup, let us proclaim that Christ has tasted death for us and made us children of God.